Okay, now we all know that it's Christmas season and we have this uh, Christmas Eve service coming up. That is coming up really fast. Once again, I want everyone to invite people that need to hear some type of hope and joy, right? So we have these invitation cards, grab some of those or just let them know what's going on. But make sure that we have this place uh, packed at all times with people that need to have a message of hope. All right. Now, if obviously if you love someone and, and are encouraged about them, you bring them Christmas Eve. Unfortunately, you brought some of your family today. Sorry about that. So we have two Christmas messages. This is family Christmas. But this message, you're going to go, that's not a Christmas message. It is. It just has been lancified. And if you lancify a message, you're going to be like, I don't really know how that ties into Christmas. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to teach it. And it's through the Christmas story. So we have that. And then we're going to have Christmas Eve. They're going to be two separate messages on Christmas, but very, very distinct. And let's do this. Okay, so uh, I just want to begin with some questions. Um, and the question is, what part of life matters the most? All right, so just start thinking through in your mind, what part of life matters the most? I think all of us want to matter. I mean, I don't know anyone that sits at home and goes, you know, if I waste a little bit of each day, I can completely waste my life efficiently, right? Nobody's trying to waste their lives. Nobody's trying to, to, to not accomplish anything. But what part matters? Uh, is it work? Is it fun? Is it relationships? What is it in life that's really meaningful? If you're all sitting here with me, on a Sunday morning, I can pretty much say that our general consensus is God's stuff. All right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You can do relationships outside of here. So why are you here? I think God's stuff is important. If God's stuff is so important, why is it that he has to keep interrupting us to get God's stuff done? If it's so important and so valuable, why does he have to keep hijacking our world in order to bring about his will in our lives? We say that it's important, but we don't seem to be focused on it too much or doing much about it. And whenever God tries to interrupt us, we're offended. Man, God, I got plans. I got stuff going on. Why are you bringing this up now? I'm not doing that. Yeah, oh, I'm going to go talk to that person. Yeah, right. Like, I'm really, hey, are you okay? Let's talk about Jesus. I'm not doing that. I'm at Starbucks. I'm not going to go talk to, I'm not praying for that lady. I get, she's crying. I know, I'm sad as much as you are, Lord. I'm not going to go pray for her. I'm not going to go, you know, are you okay? I'm not doing any of that stuff. And that guy over there, that guy's asking for money. No, I'm not giving that dude money. I don't know where that money's going. You know what I mean? I'm, God, whatever you're laying on my heart, I got stuff going on. I don't need to be interrupted. I don't, I don't need to, oh, and you're laying on my heart. Maybe I should, you know, write somebody an encouragement card or I got to call them or check up on them or pray for them. I don't want to, Lord. I got other stuff going on. Let me tell you this. God's interruptions are called divine appointments. God's interruptions are called divine appointments. And what you may find out is they're the, they're the most important things you may ever do. We're about to go through the Christmas story. The Christmas story is not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story somebody sat down to write. It's actual. It happened 2,000 years ago to real people in a real situation. And what I would like you to do is read through it with me with this lens. I entitled today's message, An Inconvenient Christmas. And I want to talk to you about interruption, worlds blowing up, problems, and complete hijacking of someone's life. 
We begin like this. I'm going to throw the scriptures on the screens because we'll bounce throughout different gospels. But it begins like this. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of John the Baptist's mom's pregnancy, which you go, do we care? Not today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, one of the only named angels in the Bible, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of northern Israel called an area called Galilee to a town named Nazareth. All right, let me ask you a stupid question. And I understand it's stupid in advance. But the question is, was it inconvenient for God to ask Gabriel to go to northern Israel? What did Gabriel have to do that day? Was Gabriel like, you know what? I got a lot on my agenda. I am going to be doing all sorts of shopping. I have, I have Christmas going on. And, you know, it went, do you think that it was interrupting what Gabriel had to do when God said, would you go to northern Israel? No. I would imagine most of you would say no. Why? Because you have some assumption in your mind that angels don't exist for any other purpose but to do the will of God, right? Do you understand so do Christians? Why is it so hard? You think it's absurd that Gabriel would feel interrupted to do the will of God, but you and I feel interrupted all the time. What's different? Aren't they built for the glory of God? Are we not built for the glory of God? Is not their whole purpose to carry out the will of God? Is not our whole purpose to carry out the will of God? Then why is it so normal for him to do it and so abnormal for us to do it? That's kind of weird, huh? In verse 27, it says, He came to a virgin, a young lady who had never been with a man, who was betrothed to a man. The way that the ancient marriage ceremony worked was you would kind of be arranged or you would meet somebody and it would go through the parents and you would be agreed upon that you were going to be married. And then before the wedding ceremony, they had a year of a waiting period or a cleansing period or a purity period called a betrothal. It was your engagement, but the engagement was locked down. You were not married, but you could only break the engagement with a divorce. So you were locked in. If you wanted to bail out, you had to bail out before the betrothal period. Once that betrothal period started, you're on. At the end of the year, and we don't know what part of the year they were in, but at the end of the year, you would go through a ceremony. And then you would be married. So the, the year was also a time for the husband to prep everything so that he could take the wife into his home, right? Well, that's kind of how it was. They were in this. So, so Gabriel came to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the lineage of King David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, Gabriel the angel, came to her and he said, Greetings, O graced one, or greetings, favored one, or greetings, one who's being paid attention to by God and given amazing blessings. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Okay, a couple of things I want to point out. Why is she scared? She just had the message that says, hey, you're favored by God. Shouldn't you normally be happy about that? Well, not if you're wise. Here's why. All wise people understand that as much as everyone wants a call from God, most people don't know what they're talking about. 
that, that most people want to call from God for reasons like this. God, can you give me something significant to do in my life so I feel better about myself? God, can you give me something significant in my life so I feel like I matter? God, can you give me a special calling in my life so I can become famous? Can you give me a calling in my life so other people will be impressed by me? God, would you give me a calling in my life so I can be successful? And wise people understand that's a terrible idea. Why? Because a call from God is a call for God, and it may come at your high personal cost. In other words... Wise people understand that a calling from God isn't about them at all. And you don't know what's going to happen. She's a little nervous. Why? Because she understands that whatever comes next, you don't argue with. God is about to speak. An angel has come with a message from the almighty God. And we all think we want to hear from God. We all pray prayers like this. God, can you just give me an audible response? I swear, like just this time. I know you don't do that normally and you don't do it to a whole bunch of other people, but I'm special. So if you could just maybe just like do a little one and just kind of a little, I mean, it doesn't have to be loud. If you could just talk to me, that would be awesome. You really want to hear from God, do you? What if he says something you don't like? What are you going to do? There's no argument. There's no... When God speaks, what are you going to do? If you're wise, if you're a follower of God, you realize what he says is law. And there's very few times you ever engage with anything that serious, that hardcore. And yet you want him to speak to you audibly. Well, she knew that this was, uh uh-oh, what's going to happen? Now, most people, when they get a present, they think it's a good thing. If somebody says, hey, I got a present for you, you're not like, I hope it's not a severed head. You know, nobody nobody ever says, is it roadkill again? No, nobody thinks that their present's going to be bad, but she's nervous. Now, just think an angel will make you wet yourself. So she was already nervous about that, but she's worried about the message. What is going to come out? What is he going to say that's going to alter her life? It says this. And behold. All right. We all know what behold means. I mean, seriously, check this out. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's a bunch of beholds. I'm not even saying the word behold anymore. We're just moving on. Okay. Seriously, check this out. Gabriel says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Now, it came through a human woman. That's the full humanity of Jesus. And you will call his name Yahweh saves or Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. But you can't have a son of God that's not equal in essence of God. So therefore, you're going to have God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of King David through the Davidic covenant to the Jewish people. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, also known as the nation of Israel, forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will be an eternal king of a different sort. Now, that's a pretty heavy message. Mary raised her hand. I got a quick clarifying question. Mary said to the angel, so um, how's that going to work, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm a virgin. That... I, There's a piece missing here. I don't know if you noticed that. So is there something I need to do? Uh, How does this work? And the angel, now she wasn't doubting him. She was just asking for clarification. And the angel answered, well, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's why Jesus is fully man and fully God. 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the same word for Mount Sinai cloud coming down. It's the same word for the tabernacle that was covered by the cloud of glory of God. It's the same word used on the Mount of Transfiguration when the cloud of God's glory overshadowed them. In other words, the presence of God is going to overwhelm you, cover you, and when he's done, you're going to have a kid in your womb. Well, that's creepy. It says, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy or other or set apart for God, the son of God. Verse 36, and seriously, check this out. Your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, she's also conceived a son. This is the second month in whom was called barren. Remember, you didn't think she could ever have kids? Oh, magic baby. For nothing is impossible with God. So what did he just say? I understand that what I'm telling you is super weird and far-fetched, but miracle babies are in season. They're happening all over the place, right? So your, your relative has one. You're going to have one. Just trust me on this. God can do whatever he wants. Now, here's what she could have heard. Hey, Mary, I'm going to hijack your life and screw up everything. That's what she could have heard, right? Because virgin birth is awfully inconvenient. Ladies, I don't know what you dreamed about getting married and starting a family, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't, how can I become a single mom, wreck my entire reputation, have everybody question me, wreck the guy that I'm going to marry, possibly lose all of that marriage. God, can you please allow me to have something happen to me where people want to stone me to death? Now, I understand it doesn't happen very often, but it could happen because allegedly I had sex outside of wedlock. I mean, is that what Mary dreamed of? Is that really what her plans were? I don't care if she's 14. I don't care if she's 16. Whatever tradition says she is, this was not what she wanted. Her whole life got blown up and hijacked. What do you do with that? Is that the calling you want? Could she have heard, Mary, out of all Jewish young ladies... I pick you. Could she have heard there's nothing you could ever design in your life that's more significant to me than carrying the son of God? Could she have heard, I understand this is going to come at high personal cost, but let me tell you, my child, you are going to be the mother watching over the Messiah that will save the world from their sins. What did she hear? I don't know. What do you hear when your whole world gets blown up by God? Notice her response. How do we handle a blow up and hijack of our lives? Here's what she said. And Mary said, Gabriel, seriously, check this out. I'm the slave of God. I am the doulos. It's not just a servant. It's a slave with no rights. What does a slave do every day? Whatever the master tells him to do. I am the slave of God. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. Are you kidding me? What was her response? What else am I here for? Okay. No wonder he chose her. I would have never responded like that. Right? I don't have a womb, but that's beside the point. (laughs) 
There's no way I'm going to respond with, hey, can I blow up your life and make everyone hate you and question you and wreck your reputation? And then not only that, but you're going to watch this kid grow up. You're going to be totally confused about him. He's going to go public. Then they're going to murder him and kill him. And he's going to die like a criminal hanging on a cross. And it's going to wreck your heart all over again. And she says, okay. Her viewpoint was I only exist for your purposes, God. Let's go. Man, that's intense. I don't respond to tragedy that way. I don't respond to difficulty that way. I don't respond to trials that way. I want to real quick show of hands, just hear my little description here. And if it it applies to you, raise your hand. How many of you have had your life hijacked to where you were going one trajectory and after your life blew up, it changed the trajectory of where you were going? Raise your hand. A huge amount of you. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I've had a couple of those in my life. It was not what I planned, not what I wanted. Most of you know my story. I'm not going to take long in telling it. But for seven years, I had invested in becoming a musician. I thought I was going to do music for the rest of my life. I thought that was how my ministry was going to work. I preached through that. I made people through that. I led people through that. It was everything in my world. And in my young life, it was all I could fathom. I had put all my eggs in one basket and I was going one trajectory. And then one day it all blew up. God pulled the rug out from under me and I was left with, what do I do now? I didn't have plan B. So God reworks and fires her trajectory. I end up in a ministry that I didn't know was going to go like that. I become like a, a house church pastor thing, Bible study guy. I'm still teaching the word, but now I'm in a completely different area. And then I try to set my trajectory on being a Christian professor. I was going to go to Talbot and do all these other things. And all of a sudden, boom, he blows that up. And all of a sudden I end up here. I was never going to be a pastor. This was not my plan. 17 years later, I'm still here, right? I didn't design it this way. Stuff just kept boom. It would blow up and it kept ricocheting like an asteroid hitting something and making it go a different way. Like a billiard ball. I I, I kept getting moved into places, but it wasn't what I wanted. It was what God wanted. Now, I know that a lot of you are thinking, man, uh, my life has blown up. But gosh, it feels like I was so involved in that. Maybe that wasn't God at all. Hmm. But maybe he was. Maybe he can work with that. Let's talk about that in a second. Do you realize that Mary wasn't the only one that was hijacked during the Christmas season? Yeah. Matthew 1.18 says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. In other words, another perspective. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together sexually, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, in other words, honorable and righteous, and unwilling to put her to shame because he had compassion and character, resolved to divorce her quietly, even though he was likely frustrated and distraught. You know what his life probably wanted to be like? You know what his dreams were probably? 
Man, I can't wait for the time when I finally get to the place where I can have a great woman in my life. You know, I'm all about integrity. I'm all about character. I'm all about trying to focus on God and doing the right things. And I finally found this girl. She's not like any other girl. I mean, she's so intense. She's all about God. And she's so driven and focused. I finally got someone that's like in the same place as me. And we get to do life together. And we're going to get married. I never even thought I would go this far. Now we're going to get married. And I'm going to carry on the family business of carpentry and then like we're gonna have kids and like all the boys are gonna look like me and then all the girls are gonna look like her and 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 man it's gonna be an awesome thing and then what she cheated on me are you kidding me no not mary there is no way she cheated on me i would imagine he sought out counsel can there be any other answer to this joseph dude facts are facts She's pregnant, man. There's no such thing as a virgin birth. No, she's not who you think she is. How could she do this to me? Now, you know what he could have done with all this? He could have gone down the route of how dare you. You wreck all my dreams. You wreck all my plans and you cheat on me. I'm the best guy you've ever met. How dare you? You know what, girl? I'm going to bury you. I'm going to take your reputation and trash it. Everyone's going to know what you did to me. Could have. Didn't. Why? Because how she acts has nothing to do with his character. You understand what I'm saying? I need you guys to own that one. What someone else does does not dictate your character. How you react is on you. That's your problem. If they're messed up, if they're angry, if they're a psycho, if they're whatever, that doesn't mean you become that. No, how did he respond? I'm crushed, I'm disappointed. You know what? I don't know if I'll ever rebound from this. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to respond like a man of God because that's who I am. I don't care what she did. I care who I am. You know what? I'm going to keep this quiet. We're going to go under the radar. I'm not going to expose her. That's not my business. That's between her and God. I'm a good guy and I'm not changing that because of something she did. He resolved to divorce her quietly. Do you understand why God chose him to be Jesus' stepdad? You understand that? I mean, what a, what a cool guy. It says this, verse 20, but as he considered these things, when and how to carry out the divorce... Seriously, check this out. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph of the lineage of King David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a God thing. Mary didn't mess up. It's not Mary's fault. She didn't ask for this. She didn't pray for this. This is my thing. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Doesn't say how that's going to happen. Doesn't give any details. Just makes this dramatic statement. Now, all this process took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before it ever happened. Seriously, check this out. Isaiah said the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they will call his name. God is here. Whoa. You sure you want to call a God? Because that's not what Joseph wanted. Now he gets a confirmation of that. 
Now he gets an angel. Understand, he's about to hinge his entire life on a dream. It wasn't even God in the dream. It was an angel in the dream. Hey, I'm an angel from God. Sure you are. How do I not know that I, maybe I ate salsa and beans the night before. I don't know. Maybe something's messing with my head. I mean, maybe I'm making up stuff, right? You wake up, you had a dream. You can't go back and check it. Something that subjective, he is going to shape his entire life on and say, yes, God, on a dream. How submitted is this guy? One of the reasons why we don't have the peace, it seems, is that we don't see God's hand in a lot of stuff. A lot of us say, you know what, my life did blow up, but it was my fault. I can't see God's hand because my hand was all over it. You know what I mean? Like my life blew up, you know, I was sitting in a prison cell because I sold meth, not God. You know, it wasn't God selling meth through me. It wasn't any, any ministry. It was just, just me cutting, you know. So I understand you made a bad decision. I understand that, you're, well, my marriage wouldn't have blown up if I wasn't such like this. Or I, I understand that this would have never happened here. Or I wouldn't have lost my job or I wouldn't. Have. I get your life blew up and God may be telling you, dude, you really screwed up. <laughs> I mean, God may be very clearly confirming you make poor decisions. However... That doesn't mean he's not still in control. I mean, I know that you got on a different trajectory. What, God didn't see that coming? He can't compensate for that? He couldn't catch that curveball and throw it back a different way? Of course he can. I need you to own this fact. We do not have Solomon without David's sin. Do you understand? Solomon is Bathsheba's son. Should have nothing to do with David. But you don't get Solomon without Bathsheba. You don't get Bathsheba without sin. She should have never been with him. What, God can't work with sin? God can't work with failure? God can't work with... Of course he can. Does he want to? No, he wants his people to follow him so people aren't getting hurt. But can he? Yes. He can work through everything. So I know your life blew up and you had a lot to do with it. But make no mistake, if you're a child of God, God had everything to do with it. He knows what's going on. He understands. And he's still working and negotiating out the whole orchestrated event. How do you handle interruptions? Well, we saw how Mary handled it. How will Joseph handle it? Verse 24. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That sounds like, yes, sir, check, 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 check. Yeah? Immediate obedience. I'm only here for God's purposes. This is not what I want. Okay, let's do that. I'm here for his glory. Ouch. That wasn't the only interruption, right? I mean, there was more. Luke 2, 1, Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, a mandatory order or an edict went out from Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, that all the world under Rome's control should be counted or registered in a census. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria, but today we don't care. And all went to be registered, each to his own town where their lineage birthplace was. And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the north, from a town in Nazareth, to Judea in the south, to the city of David, which is called House of Bread, or Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage and line of King David. 
to be registered with Mary, his legally binding, engaged wife, who was currently really pregnant. Now, at some point, don't you say, God, really? Another problem? Okay, nobody likes a census. You also don't like a census when the government that is oppressing you, you hate. They want you to move out of your area, travel across country at your own personal cost when you don't want to do it so they can count you for their purposes and you get nothing from it. That's not exactly convenient. They don't care what's convenient to you. They're going to force you to do it. But don't you look at God and say, God, this is not a good time. Okay, ladies, I don't know how many of you ever had kids, but I'm pretty sure in the nine months you didn't go, honey, can we go horseback riding? That would be awesome. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know how pregnant she was, but traveling across the country on foot or on horseback is not exactly a great plan. Don't you feel like going, God, the hit, stop. We already did the whole virgin birth thing. I already did the stepfather. That kid doesn't even look like me. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't have blue eyes. Nobody in my family has blue eyes, right? Apparently this kid's from some other dad. Oh, that's right. It's God. We've already done the disrupt, hijack, I wreck my life for you, and now i got to go across country? This is ridiculous. Why can't we just be? Well, let me ask you, why did they have to go down to Bethlehem? Anybody remember? Something about a prophecy, right? Do you understand that it was actually about something that had nothing to do with them? They had no benefit whatsoever from this. It was actually to fulfill a promise to King David's family. It was in order to fulfill a promise to the Jewish people. It was so much bigger than them that no matter how much they looked around, like, why are we doing this? They're not going to figure it out. Because how in the world are you supposed to fulfill two prophecies that say he's born in the south, but he's raised in the north? I don't know. Get him to move around a lot. But it's bigger than them. What if your life was hijacked and blown up and changed in trajectory and you're never going to know why this side of heaven? What if it's not about you? Are we all right with that? Is God allowed to move his chess pieces around? Yes. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now remember, she's going to have four other boys and a couple girls. We know that. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Now, swaddling cloths is just a a, a way to describe a burrito baby. You know what I'm talking about? You wrap the little baby up real tight, and so they're all like a little burrito. It's really cute. Okay, so they they wrap up the little baby in cloths, like strips of cloth, which is super interesting because when Jesus Christ is in the tomb and he raises from the dead, you remember when his body disappears out of that? All the little cloths are laid neatly there. It's almost like he was wrapped up. And then in in birth, and he was wrapped up in death, and it was almost like he was born to die, but I'm sure it's a coincidence, right? No, I don't think so. And they laid him in an animal food trough. Awesome. Because there was no place for them in the main house area, okay? Moms, is this an ideal time and a way that you wanted your baby's first night to go? While you are pushing, you hear, in the background? Is Is that what... Honey, honey, lay him in that. No, 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 don't let the donkey eat him. No, 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 bad donkey, right? I mean, is that what we're doing? The donkey's like, dude, you put it in my bowl, I'll eat it. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Of course not. 
I mean, you know that you wanted to be back home where you had made a spot in your one bedroom home for your little guy. You wanted to have that, you know, you had the little blankie that mom sewed and sewed Jesus, even though she spelled it with an I. She had, you know, it's all stitched in and it was going to be soft for him. It was, this was not ideal. There was the little mobile that went ding, 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 right? And you were going to have that over the top of him. It was going to spin around. Not being in this place. I don't want to have a baby outside my area. I don't want to have a baby down here. I get their extended family. This is not what I want. This is really inconvenient. Why can't we just have peace? Hmm. How inconvenient was it for Jesus to come to the earth? Hey, God, set aside your majesty. And I know you're the commander of the army of God. And I understand that you just stand in glory and everyone worships you 24 hours a day but if you could just go ahead and just set that aside for a moment kind of go down through in through a woman where you're going to flail around like a little baby for a while and then people are going to tell you what to do and then you're going to go through when people finally realize who you are they're going to murder you and then call you a criminal and you're going to die on a cross and anyway is that cool with you it's not very convenient it's not very nice jesus has never asked you to do something he has not done himself Jesus knows what it's like to be on someone else's agenda. Jesus knows what it's like to do things at personal cost. Jesus understands the bigger picture. If he ever asks you to interrupt your day, it's because he has already done that infinitely more. You understand that the shepherds, I mean, what was their day like, right? I mean, I I get they didn't have a lot to do. It was they're watching their flocks by night. What do you do watching flocks? You just kind of, what are you doing tonight? Smoking. What are you doing? <laughs> right? I mean, there's nothing going on. You're just kind of like, I'm watching something fuzzy. Walk over there. <laughs> and then it's eating something. I don't even know what it is. Not all shepherds talk that deep, but that's not. <laughs> they get this angelic visit. There's this chorus. There's all this stuff. And they said, hey, why don't you go see the baby? They would have to leave their flocks to go see the baby. Are they worried about that? No, they're fired up. That they get to be the first ones to see baby Jesus. Then the wise men, right? A couple years later, yeah, we got toddler Jesus, whatever. I don't even know how long it was. These guys travel from a good amount of distance and spend a lot of cash. They have to go through a psycho king who's talking about killing baby. I mean, there's just weirdness all over the place. And they fall down in worship and give a baby all these gifts he doesn't care about. Right? Honey, don't put that in your mouth. Honey, don't put that in your mouth. Right? It's that kind of thing. They're, they're in, in worship. They don't consider the personal cost. Who cares? It's God. But if he wants to interrupt our day, God, seriously, like now? Come on. I got stuff to do. I got errands to run. I got shopping to, come on, really? Oh, yeah, I got to stop and I got to call so-and-so. I don't want to call so-and-so. The minute they get on the phone, they're never going to get off the phone. Right? And really, I'm supposed to swing by and make sure that so-and-so can go to church. I don't, I have enough trouble getting my family in the car. Okay? Oh, okay, and so, so what, I'm supposed to open my home to, I don't know these people. How in the world am I going to open my home? So then I'm going to, what, I have to clean extra ahead of time. I got to do all this stuff and, and prep. You know what, Lord, that's going to cost, and then I'm doing extra Winco runs, and you know, I mean, I'm... Uh, Really? All that stuff? I'm supposed to have people in my house? God, this is really inconvenient. 
I don't have another spot in my week to be worried about reaching out to the community. I can't even keep my kids sane. Right? What could Mary have designed as a ministry that was more important than having the Son of God? What possibly could Joseph have come up with that was more valuable to the kingdom than being the stepfather to God? I understand it's an interruption, but it may be the only valuable thing you ever do. Maybe some of us, right, are supposed to be uncomfortable because it would finally make our Christianity valuable. A lot of us have boring Christianity because we don't respond off any promptings of our heart. We don't respond off anything that we're supposed to do because we already got plans and we don't have room for God. So if God comes in and asks us to do that, we're clearly going to say no. Yeah, your Christianity is boring. You're right. Because not a lot of stuff that matters is happening because every time he tries to interject the stuff that matters, you tell him it's not a good time. What's, what's the point in giving people promptings if they're always going to say no? At some point, just you go, okay, I guess you're not, we're not doing that. All right, whatever. You can go ahead and live your life. Is that dull? Whatever. Your Christianity mundane? All right. That's, that's your issue. That ain't my issue. God would say. When Jesus ruins your plans, it's inconvenient, but it's valuable. I I think we need to start thinking a little bit more about divine appointments than interruptions, right? I think we need to be traveling around and looking for opportunity. I think we need to be setting things aside in our hearts to say, God, I'm ready. What do you want to do? But that's hard. It messes up our stuff. It breaks our plan. You guys, sometimes God just has to force stuff in. I know it's, it's confusing and you wonder what you did wrong. I don't know how many of you guys have been with us for this whole year. You really think this is what I designed? The chaos of this year, the frustration. Things blowing up. People all freaked out about supernatural and miraculous. That's not what I asked for. God keeps changing trajectories on me and calling me to do stuff and I'm trying to chase after him and do what he wants. I didn't ask for any of that. I didn't ask for the heartache and the frustration and the problems and everything being second guessed. I didn't ask for everything to blow up in my leadership. I didn't ask for any of that stuff. Did I do stuff wrong? Probably. Do I have to look back and question whether or not it's God at all? Yeah, of course I do because I'm a human being. But understand, is it not that God can't work with that? God is, of course, working in this church. And no, it doesn't go like I want it to go. And no, it never seems to go the way I would have planned it or designed it. But why are we here? Why am I here? But for the purpose and glory of God, that's it. And it's the only stuff I do that matters is what God tells me to do. So is it what I like? No. But it's the only thing I'd be doing if I had a choice. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being so patient with us, God, while we try to re-rack our minds around the idea that 
God, we should consider your interruptions your favor. That you would dare tap us on the shoulder and ask us to do something that is revolutionary. That God, that praying for someone, taking time with someone, following that prompting to go love on somebody or give someone something or, or take time with them or to invest in them. God, would you allow us to see that as good and not as a problem and not as a hassle? But God, help us to have open hearts that, that whether we mess it up or not, we still believe that you are great and mighty and that you can work through it. So thank you, Lord, for being with us in the trajectory change of our lives. It's not what we asked for, but boy, we're glad you did it. Continue to move in our hearts, in our families, in this church for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.